Good morning. How's everybody today? Good. Good. Once in a while, our pastors like to have a conversation about what does it mean to be a mature disciple of Jesus Christ? If you've been around our church very long, you know that, you know, we're, we're not just about getting saved and then going to heaven. That's obviously the, the starting place, the most important thing. But we're really serious here about trying to learn what it means to live out our faith in a day-to-day level and to really impact the world for Christ. And we like to, we sometimes talk about what are the, the character qualities, what are the behaviors that would mark the life of a mature follower of Jesus Christ. And to, today we're going to actually take a break from our sermon series to the, gospel, to the book of Colossians that we started this fall. And we're going to look at one of these characteristics. If we were to make a short list of, of things that should be in our life as serious followers of Christ, the thing that we're going to talk about today is would be on that list. And it's, it's so important. We felt as pastors that it's so important that this is something that we understand and that would be part of our, our lifestyle, who we are, that we would actually stop our sermon series and just spend the Sunday and look at this particular topic. Now, let me just give you some pictures of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, First picture will be from my own life. When I was a kid, we had a tradition in our family. Some of you probably or many of you had the same tradition that after supper, every evening, after we all, the four of us kids would finish all of our meal, we would have dessert. And I remember every every day, uh, our, our mom would bring out the desserts that she had provided for, separated into the five pieces for the four kids and my our dad. And I remember vividly that what I did and, and my, my brother and two sisters would do, we would look at those pieces of dessert. And you can guess what we were doing. We were trying to identify which was the largest piece. And then we would literally argue and fight just to get that biggest piece. Now, my father, I will never forget this, he never said a word during all this. But while we were kind of arguing over who was going to get which piece, he would always very quietly, without saying a word, he would reach over and he would always take the smallest piece, right? And that example of my father and his generosity had a tremendous impact on me. Um, I remember my father being generous in some other ways. He was very generous with his time. And he made a commitment, this is just his own decision, that he would come home every evening after work and he would spend his evenings, with very few exceptions, with his family. Uh, I remember one time, for example, that he actually gave up the opportunity to have a business trip to Europe because he said he didn't want to be away from his family for a couple days. Now that really got my attention. I also know that my dad and my mom were very generous with their money. I know that they tithed to our church and that they would give money to ministries outside our church. And I can honestly say that in my own experience, people that I've known personally, that my father was and he is the most generous person that I've ever known. A couple other pictures. Uh, I heard the story of Rich Mullins. Some of you know who Rich Mullins was. Unfortunately, he was tragically killed in a car accident in the 1990s. But he was a very famous Christian musician, wrote some incredible songs, had just ministered to thousands, millions of people. Um, There's a story about Rich that sometimes people would see him out and about, and he wouldn't have any shoes on. And it wasn't that Rich was so poor he couldn't afford to buy shoes. It was that when he was out sometimes, he would see someone that either had 
maybe a tattered pair of shoes on or didn't have any shoes at all. And he would literally take his shoes off and he would give them to that person. And then he would just go around without shoes on. Very simple act, but very, very strong example of generosity. Uh, One other example, I read a book in a a book called Master Your Money about a wealthy businessman who practiced the 10% principle in giving. And what he would do is he would give away, he would live on 10% of his income and he would give away the other 90%. Now, if, if we think about these examples that I've just shared with you and we tried to come up with a phrase to characterize what each of these people did, Um, This is what I came up with. Extravagant generosity. Not just, they were not just generous, but they were extravagantly generous. And today we're going to talk about extravagant generosity. Because we believe as pastors, I'm convicted personally, that being extravagantly generous is one of the the keys, one of those essential qualities of our life. If we want to live a Christian life that's both uh, fruitful to others and fulfilling to ourselves. And it's something that, that, that I have a real passion to see it mark the life of each one of us here. That we're not only generous, but we live a lifestyle of extravagant generosity. So today we're going to talk about extravagant generosity. And in the sermon today, we're going to answer three questions about this. First, we're going to look at what. What is extravagant generosity? We're going to look at why, why, why should we be extravagantly generous? And then third, we're going to look at how. How can we be extravagantly generous? So that's a, basically where we're headed today. Now, before we jump into this, I want to give you a warning. Now, this is the professor me coming out. Some of you don't know I have a part-time job as a professor. Um, I want to warn you that at the end of our sermon today, I'm going to give you a test. And I'm going to ask you to give me the answers to those three questions. So I just want to warn you, better be paying attention. Okay? Now, today we're going to look at this subject by looking at one passage of Scripture that I think probably describes extravagant generosity better than any other in the Bible. Uh, And that is in Paul's letter, second letter to the Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 8 is an incredible chapter that talks a lot about generosity. And we're going to look today at the first 12 verses of this chapter. And I'm going to start by just reading these 12 verses. So if you would just please stand and uh, turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And let's just listen to God's word being read. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial... Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I now command you, I'm sorry, I'm not commanding you, 
but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through you his poverty might become rich. And here's my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Yet last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your earnest willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what, one, to what he does not have. This is God's word. Please be seated. The first thing that we see in looking at these verses that really jumps out of us, at us is that God wants us to be extravagantly generous. Now, Paul is writing this to the Christians in Corinth. Um, and what he's doing, he's urging them to participate in the offering that he's taking up for the poor among the saints in Judea. Now, we don't really know at this point why the saints were having such a hard time in Judea. But what we do know is that from A.D. 52 to 57, Paul spent a large amount of his time and energies organizing this collection. And in this passage, Paul begins by uh, mentioning the example of the Christians in Macedonia uh, to encourage the Christians in Corinth to participate in this offering. Now, Macedonia was, um, and still is, it's the northern part of Greece, and at that time, it included the churches in Thessalonica, Berea, uh, and Philippi. And look how Paul describes the giving of those Christians in Macedonia in verse 2. He says that out of their most severe trial, their overflowing joy, and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So he calls their giving rich generosity. Now, if you were to continue reading through the rest of, the, of chapter 8 and all of chapter 9 in 2 Corinthians, you will see that this word generosity in its different forms is the most commonly appearing word in all those, those two chapters. It actually appears eight different times. It's clearly the, most, the central theme of what Paul's talking about in these two chapters. And what Paul is saying to the Corinthian Christians, and he's saying to us today, is that we need to be generous in our giving. And I believe not just generous, but extravagantly generous. So let's look at these three questions that I mentioned earlier. Let's just take a few minutes and look at extravagant generosity and look at our first question, which is, what is extravagant generosity? What can we learn about extravagant generosity from this passage and the rest of the Bible? Well, we're going to start by actually uh, learning something from the life of Jesus. Because there's a little episode in the ministry of Jesus that gives us this, a really powerful picture of what extravagant generosity is. And I think it's really important for us to, to look at that today. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 12, uh, there's just a short little story. It's in four verses. And the picture is Jesus is in Jerusalem, and he's, he's in the temple area, and he's watching the people come and put their offerings in the temple treasury. And it's, Mark records in his gospel, he says that Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, 
I tell you the truth, that this poor widow has put in more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. Now, this is a pretty incredible story if you think about it. Uh, this, this poor widow that Jesus saw, uh, when you look at, at, at the, the meaning here, this, what's here translated as uh, two small copper coins, this is actually translates to one sixty-fourth of a denarius. And that was the, the daily wage for a laborer at that time. And I did some rough calculations, and I estimated that it probably would, the equivalent today would be about $2. So the picture is, here's all these people coming in and putting their offering. And it's interesting that, that somehow it's all visible, you know, to everyone else. And these rich people come, and they're putting in $50 bills and $100 bills and maybe a big wad of $100 bills, you know, looking around, hoping they're impressing other people. And here comes this little widow who's just very embarrassed and just drops in these two little $1 bills. And the most amazing thing about this story is what Jesus says in, in verse 43. He says that the one who put in the most was this poor little widow. And I'm sure this was surprising to the disciples. They're thinking, how can this be that she put in more than all the others? Well, Jesus explains it in verse 44. He says that they gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. She put in everything that she had. And here's the principle that Jesus is giving us that really is the first thing that we can learn about what extravagant generosity is. And that is that extravagant generosity is measured not by the amount of the gift, but by the amount of the sacrifice. You know, when, when we give money to the church or somewhere outside the church, God's not so concerned about the amount of the gift. Um, he's mainly looking at what degree of sacrifice does this represent? You know, these rich people in this story, they gave out of their surplus. They were not making any sacrifice. But this poor widow gave all that she had. She made a tremendous sacrifice, but she was trusting God to take care of her. And I don't have any doubt in my mind that God took good care of her because of her sacrifice. So the first thing that we can learn about extravagant generosity is that it's measured not by the amount of the gift, but by the amount of the sacrifice. So just think about your own giving. You know, are we giving sacrificially? Or are we just giving out of our surplus? Second thing that we can learn about extravagant generosity is here in this passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Look at verse 2 again. Paul says, Out of the most severe trial, talking about the Macedonian Christians, their overflowing joy, underline those two words, and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Extravagant generosity is accompanied by overflowing joy. Now, have any of you ever experienced this? Have you ever felt that joy when you were giving? You know, I, personally, I love to give. It's just something that God has, has put in me. And I can be honest and tell you that every time that I sit down and I write a check, whether it's to our church or to some, some person or ministry outside the church, I feel that joy. There's a joy in me. It's, I'll be honest, it's the highlight of my day many times to make that gift. Um, there was a time when I, I was able to give more when I worked as a lawyer but I still feel that same joy when I sit down and give what, it, what I'm able to give. 
Have you ever experienced that? Any of you? You know, a lot of us complain about not having a lot of joy in our life. And this is, this is one of the secrets to having more joy right here in this passage. God's telling us, if you want to have more joy in your life, be an extravagant giver. Give sacrificially. Third thing we can learn about extravagant, what extravagant generosity is. Look at verse 11, 11 and 12. Paul says, Now finish the work so that your eager willingness, underline the word willingness, to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Verse 12, For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Third thing we can learn about extravagant generosity is that it comes from a willing heart. From willing heart. Paul here is not trying to, to, to manipulate or to compel the Christians in Corinth to give. You know, he could have done that because he was an apostle. He had great spiritual authority. He was their spiritual father. But he's appealing to them, uh, not as a sense of duty, but he's saying, look, guys, you have an opportunity to participate. But I want you to give it willingly. Give out of an overflow of love in your heart. Give as God has put on your heart according to what God tells you to give. And that's what God wants to say to us today. The last thing in the world that any of us want to do, any of the leadership of this church want to do, is to stand up here and try to, to put pressure on you to give. But we want to encourage you that if you're serious about following Christ, this should be part of your life, to be an extravagant giver. Um, but we're not here to try to manipulate you, like you may see on some of the TV preachers. And I'm not saying they're all wrong, but all of you have seen some of those preachers who are just experts at, at trying to manipulate. Um, I was at a meeting a number of years ago in Atlanta where I used to live, and there was a, one of these TV preachers that came to our town. I didn't really know him, but some friends were going, and they invited me to go with them. And I went to this auditorium. There were probably over a 1,000 people, and it was a nice service. And then we came to the time of the offering. And then listen to what he said. He said, how many of you want to give God your best? And we're all thinking, yeah, you know, sure, I want to give God my best. He said, all right, this is what I want you to do. I want you to reach in your pocket, and I want you to pull out your wallet. Excuse me. Anyway, and I want you to pull out the biggest bill that you find in your wallet or in your purse. And he says, when the offering plate comes around, I want you to put that bill in the offering plate. He says, I want you to give God your best. And he said, if you want to give God your best today, I want you to stand up. And you know, I'll be honest, I was one of the very few people in that whole auditorium that did not stand up. Now, a number of years later, that guy was actually exposed on one of these TV exposés as, as a fraud. But he was very effective in getting huge contributions. He was living in a giant house and doing all those things. You know, he was enjoying the money that people were giving. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about giving out of a heart that's so full of God's love, love for God and love for others, that you just want to give sacrificially. You want to live a lifestyle of just sharing sacrificially. So extravagant generosity should come from a willing heart. Fourth thing we're going to see about what extravagant generosity is, uh, is right there again in verses 11 and 12. He says here that, your willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. And then this little phrase, according to your means. 
And in verse 12, he says that the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. So extravagant generosity is what is when we give, when we give according to what we have, not what we don't have. So again, what's important is not the amount of the gift or the amount of the, the, what we're giving away, but it's the amount of the gift in relationship to what we have. Now let's just stop for a moment. Let's just think about what this might look like in our own life. As Christians here at Cornerstone and Williamsburg, what would extravagant generosity look like for us? Well, let me start with a big picture first, and let's look at some statistics about giving among Christians in America. Now, as some of you may have heard before, there's just, these are some pretty sad statistics. Okay, but these are recent. These from are like one year ago. Listen to this. More than one out of four Protestant Christians in America, more than 25%, give away no money at all. Not even $1 in the offering plate for the whole year. So one out of four don't give anything away. Out of the evangelical Christians, which is the group that we would identify ourselves with, 26, excuse me, 36% give away less than 2% of their income. So that's over a third. Only 27% tithe to their church. And one guy did this estimation. This blew my mind when I heard this. He estimated that if all the committed Christians in America, people that either say that faith is important to them or they come to church twice a month, if they were to tithe to their church, in addition to what's already being given, there would be an additional $46 billion available to spread God's kingdom in America and around the world. Now, if you just think about that for a moment, that'll blow your mind of what, you know, what the church in America could do with $46 billion to really make an impact for the gospel here and around the world. Well, what about us? I don't know about you, but I don't have $46 billion. So what can I do on, you know, on, with my salary and what I have? I think the most important thing, and this is one thing I want to really emphasize, is what, we're, what I'm talking about today is not... Um, just a behavior. It's not just um, a method of doing something, but it's really an attitude. It's just having an attitude of saying, I want to be extravagantly generous, whatever that's going to look like in my life. And we need to get hold of that. We need to really be convinced that this is what God wants for us. If we're going to be really serious about following him and then be willing to, to, to be obedient and to do this as a lifestyle. And then we just basically need to pray and let God guide us in our giving. Now, just, just some examples to, to, to help us think about this. Um, giving to our local church should be part of that. The Bible is very clear about that. I want to be honest and say that the, I believe that the New Testament does not specifically give us an exact amount that we have to give. In the Old Testament, it talked about the tithe. The tithe is referred to in the New Testament. But we're to, to seek God and to pray and to give according to what he puts on our heart. But I will say that I think for most of us, giving a tithe to our church is a good place to start. Because if we're serious about seeking God, that for many of us, he's going to call us to give even more than that. So I think that's a good place to start. Now, some of you I know are students. Many of you are students, and you're probably sitting there thinking, well, this doesn't apply to me because I don't, either, I don't have any income or maybe just a very small income. 
Now, I just want to encourage you again. It's not the amount that you give that's important. It's just what to give something out of what God has provided to you. If you have a part-time job, a small job, you can give a small amount of tithe. Uh, you can give of your time. We're not just talking about giving of money here. You know, it's just true for all of us. Find someone in need and spend time with them. You know, find something that, that a need that you can meet in their life. You know, if you know how to fix cars and they have a, a problem with their car, go over and just spend an afternoon repairing their car. You know, if they're having a struggle in their life, just sit down with them for a while and just listen to them. And then speak an encouraging word to them. If they're going through a difficult time in their life, just spend some time praying for them, maybe with them or, or just away from them. But just look for opportunities to share out of what God has given you, both financially, with your time, and just giving of yourself. So let's, let's move on now to our second question. And this is going to be a real brief one. The second question is, why should we be extravagantly generous? And this is a very quick and simple answer. We should be extravagantly generous toward others because God has been extravagantly generous toward us. Uh, my wife Marie and I sometimes just, just sit down and think about, you know, how blessed we are, you know, and just how generous God has been in our life and how we just have all of our needs met. If you just think about it, everything that we have is a gift from God. You know, our very lives are a gift from God. Our possessions, our health, our salvation, it's all things that God has given us. God has been extravagantly generous toward us. And he wants us to be extravagantly generous toward others. Uh, just for a moment, let's think about salvation. You know, those of us who, who know Jesus Christ have received this gift and none of us deserve it. I mean, the Bible, if it's clear on anything, it's clear on that. Just a couple verses that we all know to remind us of this. Incredible verses. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It was a gift from God. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Our salvation... Our eternal life is a gift from God. Third question. How can we be extravagantly generous? Now, I don't want you to, to turn me off here because this is really important. Uh, we've covered a lot of ground already, but I want to really understand this because it would be very easy for us, based on what we've heard, to leave here today and say, all right, I've heard this teaching, I know now that God wants me to be extravagantly generous. And I'm going to go out, and this week I'm going to just... In my own best efforts, I'm going to try to find people that I can be extravagantly generous with. Now, you may make a little bit of progress in that, but I'll tell you, there's something more that you need to know about. And it's something that we talk a lot about from this pulpit. Because there's one thing that we need to be able to be obedient to all the things that God commands us to do in Scripture, including this command to be extravagantly generous. Can anybody think of what that is? What we need is God's grace. We cannot be extravagantly generous without the grace of God working in our life. And grace here refers to a gift of a divine enablement to be able to, to be obedient to God. We need God's grace because giving, especially giving in a sacrificial way, goes against our human nature. 
And it goes against what we're taught in the world around us. Think about the world we live in. Uh, from the world's perspective, giving is a win-lose proposition. Okay, the one that receives the gift wins. You know, they get, they're better off, but the one who gives loses. They're worse off afterwards. So there's really a discouragement from giving beyond, you know, this just out of our surplus. But in God's economy, God's kingdom, giving is a win-win situation. That both the one who receives benefits and the one who gives benefits. We've already seen one benefit, and that's the joy that we receive. But God has promised, he's, he's, Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. That we're blessed in many different ways as we give sacrificially. God has promised to take care of all of our needs as we put him first in, in building his kingdom first. Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. So we've now answered our three questions. What is extravagant generosity? Why should we be extravagantly generous? And how can we be extravagantly generous? Now I want to just take a moment, and I want us just to step back and kind of dream together as a church. I want us to think about what would it look like in our lives as a church, individually, if we were really serious about following this, if we really got hold of this principle of being extravagantly generous, and we're willing to do this as a lifestyle. Let me just share you one, with you one story of a church that really understood this principle of extravagant generosity. And as a church, they decided to really practice this. This is a church that I'm familiar with. I've actually been there years ago. It's a church called Grace Presbyterian Church in Los Angeles. At the time I was there, they had a couple thousand people. And they made a decision early on in their ministry uh, not to try to build a church building, but to minimize their expenses. They actually just rented facilities from a local high school. And they had all their, their meetings there on Sunday. They really encouraged people to give in their church. And there, I know there were a number of people in their church who were giving more than a tithe. Some of them were giving a double tithe, 20%. And listen to what this church was able to do. They were able to function, just in terms of the ministries of the church internally, on 10% of what they brought in. And 90% of what was given to their church, they were able to invest outside the church in building God's kingdom. One example of what they did, in the early 90s, when the door opened to do ministry in the former Soviet Union, they chartered an entire jet, and they filled it up with their people, and they went to, to, to Russia, and they held these large evangelistic meetings in cities across Russia. And then a couple years later, after some training, they sent over, this, this is incredible, they sent over 200 people from their church, from this one church, who went over to the former Soviet Union as missionaries. And they planted churches in cities all across the former Soviet Union. They started a seminary in Moscow. And I've personally been to some of those churches. They're still thriving today. I know some of the men who are pastoring those churches. That one church in California has had a huge impact in the, in the former Soviet Union because they got hold of this principle of extravagant generosity. So let's just, just imagine what our church could do in our community, on the university campus here, around the world, if we got hold of this principle, if each one of us practiced extravagant generosity. There's no telling what God might do through us. But we first have to be 
convicted that this is serious, and then to start taking steps of faith to be obedient to God's word, to live a lifestyle of generosity. The bottom line is this, that God has been extravagantly generous toward us. How can we do any less toward others? Okay, that's the end of the main part of the sermon. It's now time for your test. Now, the good news is I'm going to just select one of you to take the test to represent all of you. So you better pray for this person because if, if they get the answers wrong, I may have to just preach this whole sermon again. But I'm going to pick someone that I think has done a good job of listening to this sermon. And I'm going to ask Anu if she will come forward <laughs> and see how well she was listening. Okay, Anu is a Anu is a serious student, so I know she was paying good attention. Okay, there's going to be four questions to the test. Okay, it's it's going to be pretty simple. Okay, but you need to get them right, and everyone's listening. Okay, so first question before you answer, I'm going to give you a hint. Okay, the first question is according to the passage that we've just read, what does God want from us? Okay, and I'll give you a hint. It involves two words, and they're written on these two pieces of paper, okay? These, so if you want to just, you want to hold these up, and this is, I'm going to help you. This is the answer. Show everybody. This is the answer to the first question. <laughs> okay, you're on a roll, Anu, so you're going to do just fine. Okay. No, there's three more questions. Okay, next question. Um, I talked a lot about what is extravagant generosity. Just tell me one thing that I said about extravagant generosity, about what it is. Well, that's enough. She said freely give and you do it with joy. Okay, we'll count that. Is that all right, everybody? Okay. Okay, third question. Uh, why should we be extravagantly generous? Because God gives us freely, why would he hold back? Uh, because God has been extravagantly generous toward us. Right, good job. All right, last question. So you've already made a passing grade, but this is a chance to get a perfect score. Last question is, how can we be extravagantly generous? There's a two-word answer. How can we be extravagantly generous? What do we need to do that? Okay, well, that's pretty close. Something about God's grace. (laughs) God's grace. All right. Good job. Well, I'll grade on a curve, so we'll give you an A on that, okay? Thank you. Okay. Wait a minute. Don't sit down. I want to do something else. Um, I really felt convicted this week that it's easy to stand up here and talk about being extravagantly generous. But I want to practice what I just preached, okay? So I'm going to pull out the biggest bill for my wallet. And I'm not going to put it in the offering plate. I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to be extravagantly generous to you. Now, I want you to take this. I want you to take this. 
And this is not a trick. We're not going to go up to her secretly and ask the money back after church. But this is what I want you to do, Anu. I want you this week to pray and to ask God to show you someone that you can practice extravagant generosity with and to pass that money on to them. Can you do that? So just, just share out of what God has given to you. Any time you want to do it. You can give it to anyone you want to. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Anu. Okay. I have an assignment for all of you this week. I want you to think about this question. First of all, I'm going to say I'm sorry I don't have a $10 bill to give to all of you. I wish I was rich enough to do that, but I don't. But God has given all of us many things that are worth a lot more than that. So here's the assignment. I want you to think about this question. How can I be extravagantly generous toward others this week? From what God has given you, how can you share with others um, that in an extravagantly generous way? And I want you to think about that. Maybe God will give you an idea right now. Maybe it'll just be something during the week. But when God gives you an idea, I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to be obedient and to step forward and to practice what we've heard about today. You know, do something radical. Do something that's going to really surprise people with your generosity. Remember that God has been extravagantly generous toward us. Let's practice that. Let's share that with others. Jesus has lived a lifestyle of extravagant generosity. And as his disciples, he wants us to do the same thing. Please pray with me.